Hi, my name is Philip Carrillo, and this is the One Percent Podcast. That was good. Stay tuned for the next episode, guys. Hi, welcome back. This is Julio Carrillo with the One Percent Podcast, and today we have Kyle Karakidis from Go Left Agency. Kyle, why don't you give yourself a quick introduction about who you are, what you do, and uh, let people know what, who you are. Thanks so much, Julio. I really appreciate you having me. So my name is Kale Kirkis, and I'm a database marketer, uh, a bit of a marketing accountant. I help people build minds in their business. So everybody has a database, customer data, and a lot of people don't know what to do with it. And so as we're going into this digital age, businesses are starting to understand based on Amazon that customer data is an asset. Mm -hmm. And so I specialize in helping them analyze, curate, and put that data into action. So through email marketing, paid advertising, uh, things like that. And so we're quite data-driven, and we also bring the creative and human side into it through assessments and understanding uh, how people communicate. Awesome. Well, uh, there's a little bit of a tradition here on the 1% podcast because it's El Real Don Julio. We always like to uh, share a little bit of a toast here with some Real Don Julio. And uh, if you don't mind, just let me know when to stop. That should be more than enough. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's a pleasure. I know we've been working together for a little bit. And uh, love that you're able to come out here. So cheers. Thanks, brother. Wonderful. Glad to be here. So listen, so when we first started meeting together, one of the things that uh, naturally gravitated me towards you was just because even though we get to wear the clothes we wear and we get to be in the environments we get to be in, one of the most important things for me that I gravitated towards you on was not just your energy, but a little bit of the background because you're from Surrey yep. and like I think most entrepreneurs, uh, we don't come from the greatest of backgrounds, but I think it's part of the things that drive us. Absolutely. And I kind of wanted to know that journey because I believe your father was also an entrepreneur. Yeah. He had his own restaurant. Yeah. And there was a bit of a downfall for him, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and yeah, just give me the story. What kind of inspires you? What, what makes you go to those places? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I was born in Vancouver. And my family immigrated here from Greece. Mm -hmm. So I'm a third generation immigrant. And so when they immigrated here, they built restaurants. One of them is Maria's Greek Taverna. It's on Denman and West Broadway. That's my aunt's place. Okay. So shout out. Shout out to them. And in, when I was six, my, my father went down to Florida, the Florida Keys, to start a restaurant. Now, it was crazy because he, he actually ended up buying this restaurant from someone who didn't even own the restaurant. Okay. Crazy. So then the actual owner took him to court. And he was this guy, Gus Boulos, big Greek guy. And um, I guess he was caught up in some stuff. Anyways, fast forward, my dad went to court. The day before my dad went to court, this guy, somebody, and he was gone. Okay. And so my dad won the case. And he got his business visa and all the rest of it at that point. And so me and my mom and my sister moved down to Florida. And so I lived in the Florida Keys in Miami for 10 years. So, you know, running around in Florida, uh, in Miami, you know, uh, lots of crazy things happened. I think one story, I, I was skateboarding down the street and some guy got out of his car and pulled the gun out at us. And so, you know, I'm growing up in a red state. And in Miami, my dad had built his own home, like from scratch, like this big, beautiful home, 25 foot ceilings, and we had made it, right? And so at one point, it all came crashing down. Mm -hmm. And when I was 16, my dad, you know, there was tons of trauma with my mom and divorce and things like that. And when I was 16, my dad came to me and said, uh, Kiriako, I'm going to be going soon. That's, that's my Greek name. And he said, I'm going to be gone soon, but don't worry, I'll come back. And one day he just, he was supposed to come pick up my younger brother. I have two siblings, mm -hmm. a brother and a sister. And he didn't pick him up. And I knew why he didn't pick him up. Wow. And so because the business uh, got basically disintegrated, they lost their visa. And my mom, with three kids living in Florida, she was a wine sales rep. And she had to re-enter the States and get her visa. Upon re-entering, they said, 
no, you have 30 days to get you and your kids out of Florida. And so basically we got deported back to Canada. And so when I was 16, we moved back to Canada and to the North Shore. And my brother, my sister, my mom and I lived in a one and a half bedroom apartment in uh, Ravenwoods in Deep Cove. Beautiful place, but you know, quite small. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, I went to school in Windsor, in North Vancouver and Blue Ridge, and I would walk like an hour and a half to school. And I would just, it's, it's North Vancouver, it rains a lot, right? So I just, I did it. And I remember being on buses, guys pulling shivs out on me, taking all my stuff. I remember one time somebody did that, and there was another gentleman on the bus, and he gave this guy 20 bucks to just let me go. And this guy with the shiv tried to get off the bus with me, and the guy that gave him the 20 bucks said, no, that 20 bucks gets you here into the next stop. He looks at me, he's like, run home. And that's one of the most vivid memories I've had coming back to Canada, you know? And um, from there, my dad actually came back, and then my dad and my mom decided to move in together to save money, and so we moved to Delta at that point, North Delta. And so we moved into a townhome, and in the townhome there was three bedrooms upstairs, one for my mom, my brother, and my sister. And my dad and I actually lived in the garage, and so his bed and my bed were next to each other in the garage. So for two, three years, I lived in a garage of a townhouse, freezing my ass off, and... To be able to, to, to come from a life in Florida where every weekend we'd go on my dad's 28-foot boat and go fishing for mahi-mahi, sailfish, and marlin, and all of it, to having everything in the world, to having nothing, mm-hmm. what it seems like, it created this innate fuel and desire in me that gave me this willpower to never give up. And so I've been able to cultivate a will of, I don't give a fuck what you say, I'm going to make it happen, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you know me as a pretty punctual guy and on time, and if I yeah. say something, it's going to happen, and it'll be. And after North Delta, we moved to, I got kicked out because my sister was dating a crack dealer, and my mom was doing crazy things, and I did, wasn't really about it. And I wanted to protect my younger brother who was in that. And so I got kicked out of my house. I came home one day, and all my stuff was on the street. And I said, Dad, we're out of here. And we went to Surrey. And I remember my grandma from Greece was living with us at the time, and I'd go to work in construction. I was a rod buster. So I was tying steel, packing steel every day. Ouch. That was my first kind of real job. Yeah. And it was funny because my family's Greek, so my grandma would make food, and she'd be like, how many cigarettes do you want today, Kyriako? And they would pack cigarettes in my lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Nice grandma. (laughs) So that's kind of what happened there. And then... Um, I got into construction, and I was very successful and became a surveyor and equipment operator, and I built railroads in Prince Rupert, hydroelectric projects, and I was making six figures before 22 years old. And uh, then I had all this money, and I didn't know what to do with it. I had no guidance. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go to university. I went to school for accounting. Ran out of money, realized, oh, gosh, I'm learning to become an employee. I got to actually go and be an entrepreneur. So I got into door-to-door sales. And that's what was your first door-to-door sales job? Oh, so it was cool. I was selling home alarms. Home alarms. Home alarms. And, and that summer, I went to Alberta, and I traveled around Alberta. And I think in, like, four months, I did about 75K in commissions. And I was like, okay, I found what I'm good at. Yeah. For me, my first door-to-door sales job, which was my first job, was selling uh, the San Diego Union Tribune back then when newspapers were still relevant. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was I, like, 15? It was my first job. Uh, coming from a young kid from San Diego with a very strong Southern California accent. Yeah, yeah. Very Chicano accent. Uh, I learned very quickly the power of articulating your words. You know, a couple of things that you mentioned earlier was just being able to have that experience of being kicked out of your home. I've always said, like, uh, uh, there's an interesting perspective of superheroes and yes. villains. Yes. Right? Uh, they both have a painful backstory. There's some sort of pain or trauma attached to it. And in that painful trauma or attachment to it, the villain always says, uh, with the same type of trauma, we can say someone killed their dad or their mother or their family. There's always something there. Some some trauma, right? The villain always says, uh, this happened to me. Uh, The world hurt me, so I'm going to hurt the world. But uh, the hero says... Uh, the world hurt me. I'm not going to let anybody else hurt the world. Oh my God, that's so good. I I was um, that just got goosebumps kind of because, for me, like 
I'm always enamored by the man who has been beat by the world mm -hmm. and still is kind, even though the world took everything from him. Yeah. Whatever. That's so. And so for me, like, it's kind of interesting. When I grew up, I was really into like anime when I started getting 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Dragon Ball. Yeah, Dragon Shout Ball out. Z, right? <laughs> Shout out Dragon Ball Z. And I was watching like One Piece and Naruto and all this stuff. And for me, in those stories, the hero never gives up. Mm -hmm. And as long as you never give up, you will keep moving forward towards your goals. And so for yeah. me, I use pain and setback as a motivator. Yeah. I, I love it. You know what my most motivating words is? You can't do it. Yeah, normally. I, I, I have a, a, I mean, as men, we both have egos, right? Um, of course. I use my ego as somewhat of a motivator to myself. Uh, uh, for example, uh, this morning was a, uh, what's the better word here? It was a fucked up morning. <laughs> It was a fucked up morning, but I'm over here sending messages. I'm really upset about multiple things are kind of coming at me. Sure, yeah. And I have my meetings, and I know I have to be here at 12, be there at 1, be here at 3, then 4, then 5, then 7, then 8. Like, my meet, my day doesn't stop today till about 1 a.m. Wow. So uh, I'm kind of messaging, and, and then it's like, you know what? Uh, doesn't fucking matter. Today is one of those days. I call it, put it on my ski mask. Like mm. you're, 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 yeah, you're yeah, going yeah, yeah. into the liquor store. Yeah, Today yeah. is one of those days where I just got to put on the mask and just do it. Hey, Ka, how are you doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Nothing's fucking bothering me. I'm a fucking champ and that's absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I think that's the big differentiator of people who are going to make it and who are not. Because those people or the men, I'm only going to speak for men right now, the men uh, who can succumb to their emotions and don't know how to check them are actually the most dangerous. But for oh, me, wow. because I am very much in control of my emotions, for a second, I was a little, you know, out of, not out of control was the word here. I was very much overcome by them. But again, mm -hmm. I just got to take a second, breathe in, center myself, knowing that this is the situation, nothing can change. Uh, the only thing that can change is the next decision I make. And if you notice, I said decision, not choice. Mm -hmm. I kind of believe that choice is more or less of an illusion. Okay. Because deep down inside, you've already made the choice. You know what you have to do. The choice is just an illusion. It's makes you kind of feel a little bit better about what you're doing or whatever. But for me, it's, I have to work. Yeah. I have to get this done yeah. regardless because in the big uh, uh, realm of things, no one gives a shit. No. No one gives a shit at the end of the day. Uh, your mortgage or rent has to be paid. No one wants to say, oh, I had a bad day. Defer me for another week. No one cares. So for me, it's being able to put those emotions in check, being able to still be able to perform at the highest levels. You know, you can't go, you can't be a boxer or an, uh, an Olympic athlete and be like, sorry, guys, I'm just not emotional. I can't do it today. today. No, no, I can't do it. I can't it perform. It, it, you know, it reminds me of like as entrepreneurs, there's no one else coming. Mm -hmm. There's no one coming to save you. Mm -hmm. And so when you share that story with me, it's like it, it reminds me of what's critical as an entrepreneur is having faith in oneself. Absolutely. So if you don't have faith in yourself and the marketplace is battering you and there's all these things coming in and yeah. you get off center and you get off center for a moment and you don't have that faith to ground yourself yeah you can get lost absolutely right and and that's where the worst decisions are made if you're too happy you make a bad decision if you're too upset or angry or emotionally unbalanced you're going to make a bad decision so at all times regardless of what's happening externally internally you have to be balanced and centered to make the absolute best decision well it's like it's like when the world is chaotic outside in the physical, oh, yeah. one must stay and remain calm inside. Yeah. When inside the world is chaotic and you can't find yourself, one must yeah. stay calm physically. Absolutely. And the first thing of mastering oneself is to be physically calm. Mm -hmm. If you can't sit still for 15 to 20 minutes, you can't even master your physiology. Yeah. So if you can't master your physiology, how do you master your mentality? Yeah. How do you master anything that you want to accomplish yeah. For me, it's those 15 minutes of uh, living in the moment. I live in my world, but every now and then I'll be, you know, here or I'll be wherever I am. doesn't matter where I am, yep. whether it's at home, whether it's at a restaurant, because, you know, I tend to be about 10, 15 minutes early for a meeting. And I, <laughs> and I get to realize, especially in the summer here in Vancouver, because it's very beautiful, uh, I get to realize for those 10, 15 minutes, it just, it's kind of like that moment where... Uh, in a, what's it called, a 300, you know, it's like the air is kind of flowing. You can feel the breath. You can feel every inch of your body kind of performing. And for me, it's just one of those moments where I can literally take a deep breath and know that, okay, I got peace for the mm. next 10 minutes. I'll put my AirPods in, noise control on, 
and noise cancellation on and I'll just ask for a, a drink, a tequila, a water or whatever and I'll just kind of just space out for my own little moment. That's my personal Tesla recharge moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find those moments in the day because if you don't, you I just do 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, I need a spa day. No, I need to relax. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, 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 no. That's a bit, that's a, that's the one thing that me, you, everybody in this room right now can never get back is that missed time. Well, that's a warrior's, that's kind of like a, a warrior's, um, it's a warrior's moment. That's what I call it is when yeah. you, when you can go inside your mind for 10, recenter yourself and come out even more powerful than the last time. Yeah. And it's like, how do we, how do we take what we have and compound upon our own skills and mentality mm -hmm. to create that fortitude to be able to battle in the marketplace? And in the marketplace, it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher yeah, absolutely. as time goes on. And while we have all this technology and access, at the same time, things are becoming uh, more challenging in, in ways, but also easy. You know what I mean? To a certain degree, I think the translation of information is definitely easier. Yes. But I, in, in the sense of being able to be in that marketplace, I like to take my lesson from Rocky 1. Okay. And Rocky 1, my favorite scene is the actual probably last two minutes of uh, uh, Rocky and uh, Apollo fighting. And this is my mentality because you are right. There are a lot of younger 25, 22 who think they can do it or... To be fair, there are a lot of uh, in that category, in that demographic, that actually have the ability to do it because they're actually willing to put in that work. Mm -hmm. The difference is, my way of looking at it, this is the reason why we talked about it earlier, was uh, the reason why I post so much about what I do in my day, at least with the workouts and with the waking up and with the quotes and everything that I'm doing. It's more or less, uh, to tie it back to Rocky, it's Apollo Creed was the champ. And there's a Rocky who wants to come up behind him. And sometimes you don't have to be the smartest, the brightest, the fastest, the strongest, but you have to be the hungriest. And sometimes just with that simple hunger, you can take the soul out of that man. Oh, man. Because you can beat me down. I can beat down on the ground. And there was a scene where, where Apollo thought he knocked him down on the ground, and you could swear that Rocky's done. And uh, Apollo's up here, you know, turning around like, I got this, I got this. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's that one second where he finally climbed back up on the ropes rubbed off the gloves and Apollo just looks at him and just says wow Fuck. that's that's faith faith in oneself and you then you but that. but but Apollo broke down on his own by watching this relentless person come back beating after beating you could take someone's soul that way it's funny you say that you know the last thing that I learned from my mentor in construction he goes to me because I had to work with like 56 year old crusty guys right mm -hmm. and I had to get crusty myself the last thing that he taught me was, okay, I'm going to teach you how to eat a man's soul now. I said, oh, really? Okay. And when, when you come out with that relentlessness mm -hmm. and you're on top of them, like, you said this, you got to do it. And when there's a time where a man just goes, okay. And yeah, I mean, it's a very visceral kind of spiritual thing, but uh, that's when I knew I had to get out of construction and do something different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, it's, it's just one of those things where you can come after the belt, you can come after the title, but let's get in that ring. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to outperform and I'm going to outwork you because while you're sleeping at 4.30 in the morning, 5 a.m., guess what? I'm already posting up my first quote. I'm already posting up my first post. And it's not about social media and that validation. It's just, it's just to prove this is the work ethic. Yeah. I can go to bed at 1 a.m. and I'm still going to wake up at 4, 4.30, sorry. I'm going to still wake up at 4.30 and I'm still going to post and I'm still going to do X, Y, Z continuously and consistently. You could do it like most people in relationships, you know, oh, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, I'll change for a week or two. There's no consistency. There's no consistency, yeah. I'm going to keep this consistency up. I'm going to outperform you. I'm going to, I'm going to outwork you and I'm going to fucking take that soul away from you and you're going to belong to me. And that's it. Well, it's like, you know, Fucking fatality, when you, when you, combat shit. <laughs> you're on your war path, right? It's like Absolutely. you said to me two months ago, it's like, I'm on a war path, and if anyone gets in my way, fuck them, I'm taking them down, and I'm not cleaning up behind me. No, absolutely and, not. and that's like, you know, I've really adopted that, Julio, in the last month. Awesome. I've, you know, I've had people fuck me around in ways I can't even describe, and I'm generous and kind, and at the same time, they just keep throwing jabs at me. And mm -hmm. you know what? All good. I just moved the other Don't way. Don't fuck with me now. You'll fuck with me later. Hey, you know what? You always stay 30 steps ahead. 
Well, uh, I think I said this before in a previous uh, cast, which was uh, Game of Chess. Yes, Chestnut Checkers, exactly. Yes, but in Game of Chess, um, if you never played, you barely know your first step. Mm. You're a beginner. You barely, yeah. know your, your bar- you barely know your next step. You're just going to move around in peace, not knowing what you're going to do. A novice player would know maybe two, three steps ahead. A, uh, a champion will know maybe five. A master will know ten. A grandmaster could see the game. Yeah, yeah, they can see the whole thing play out. I can, I, and that's where uh, I believe to be myself, at least in this point in time of my life, in my realm, in my world, in my game. So when you're playing chess, are you playing against yourself to get better, or are you playing against others? How do you imagine that? Three-dimensional. Okay. It's all aspects of it. So uh, we were talking earlier about the post of, uh, uh, of how you're watching me and, and John Sai. Shout out, John Sai. Um, uh, John Sai, how our posts of gym workouts have kind of inspired you because you're watching us and you know our, our, our family background and it inspired you. Of course. Um, and for me, it was John who inspired me to start posting more aggressively because I was doing fairly well, very comfortable, but comfortability could be a danger as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, once I saw them starting to perform, I'm saying, okay. These guys are doing this. These guys have families. These guys have literally every excuse in the book of why not to do something. Why the fuck aren't I, aren't I doing it? Because I can do it. The competitive nature in me says if, if they can do it, I can do it too. Yeah, it makes it real for you, right? It makes it absolutely real. So then I start going. and I, start going. I, 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 show, I, give, uh, I gave John his flowers the other day and I said, hey, man, uh, uh, just so you know, the, the way you post is the inspiration is the way why I post, the way I post. Just want to say, uh, give you a lot of love, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Just know that these posts aren't just fucking stories. They're actually inspiring because it motivated me to do what I do. It motivated me to triple my output because I could. And shockingly enough, people, um, I know this might seem strange to, to the audience, uh, as much as the cartel look comes off, I, I don't do drugs. I drink my Don Julio. I, I have my alcohol, but that's about it. That's my only that's vice. That's your vice, yeah. That's my only vice I have. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, I'm a lot of natural energy. I can go out and party with my guys, network till 3, 4, 5, 6 in the morning. By 9 a.m., I promise you I'm back in the gym training hard. No excuses. Yeah. Well, you have that consistency momentum, right? And once yeah. you have that going, it's like a routine and habit. Yeah. I it, mean, you, you talked to me about your cold plunges as like that's your, that's your, like, that's your thing. Yeah, I'm using a little bit of I know what drives me. There's a lot of internal conversations that I have with myself knowing what drives and what motivates me. And that drive and motivation is sometimes uh, a little bit of pain. Yeah, of course. A little bit of trauma. Knowing that, hey, this could be a limit, but what if I could have a little bit more limit? Mm. Nothing's really stopping <clears throat> me Just from pushing that it. limit all the time, right? Absolutely. You know, it's, um, I was... Pressure uh, builds diamonds, my friend. Do you know a guy named Andrew Huberman, Dr. Huberman, the no. neuroscientist? No. This big guy on social media, and he talks about how the traits of successful people, you can correlate it back to childhood trauma, but the perfect amount of trauma. Not too much, not too little. Mm-hmm. Just enough. So when I look I for... I just want to hug. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, I, when I look for people to work with and, and closely mm-hmm. in my circle, I look for that because um, on the back of my tattoo, I have some kanjis with Japanese symbols. It means perseverance and patience. Mm-hmm. Right? So having that trauma and being able to transform that, transmute it into uh, positive energy for the communion of mind, body, spirit to push that forward and to uh, command what we desire and yeah. have it be realized is, uh, I believe it's the essence of the human spirit to be able to yeah. push through that. I have a similar subject to that. It was more, I called it a long time ago, is uh, energy redirection. Mm just because I'm able to take a lot of that negative output and, you know, transform it into a positive output. Uh, Do you have, like, a process for that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, For me, it's when I hear those negative outputs, when I hear those negative kind of directions at me, because, again, uh, opinions are very subjective, and opinions of Of oneself can be subjective uh, based off of whoever that person is, because it could be derived from a lot of... Uh, insecurities on their end. A lot of the times, oh my God, yeah. you know, for, for me, it's just, okay, um, I take everything with a grain of salt, but if this person had this opinion of me, I really try to be introspective and look at it, okay, why did they have that opinion of me? Is it because of my action or mm. what I said or what I've done? 
or is it because it probably comes from their own insecurity? So you got to be a little bit more strategic on when you take those opinions. You got to be very discerning. I mean, like, so I have had experiences where I say something to somebody and they say, oh, well, you just said this. I said, is that what you heard? Yeah. What's going on in your head that made you hear that? Yeah. What do you actually, like, when you come and talk to me, like, what are you listening for? Like, what are you, are you like, listening for bullshit and bad stuff? Or are you listening mm-hmm. how this is actually possible and real? Yeah. Because the way that you come and talk to me, you're listening to me, it's going to impact how you hear things. Absolutely. And so if you're disrespected, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. You know what? I think that's the key, key trait in the last 12 months for me, is before 12 months ago, I definitely had more of a care of the opinions of others. And I think it's a very interesting aspect in young men or men in itself when you have to learn how not to care. A lot of guys say they don't care, but they fucking care low-key. They fucking care more than anyone. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can literally look at anybody in the face like, I can give a fuck less, bro. Well, and just you're, tell them. You're good. You got your son, yeah. Sebastian. You got your family. You've had everything, right? Like, yeah. you've, you've experienced life. Now it's about building and, and giving to others. And, you know, you donate to charities. You're involved in the community. At a point, you get to, a, and I've gotten to a place, one of the really good books I read was Subtle Art Not Giving a Fuck. Good book. And I got to a place where I said, listen, Kyle, you're going to go through life. And some people are going to like you. Some people aren't. Most people don't really like me in the beginning because I'm so... In your face. And so You're higher it's almost energy, like, but there's nothing wrong with that. And, and it's a bit of a filter process. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. And like, I can be prickly. You know, they used to call me crusty in construction because I was just, I didn't put up with shit. And it's who's this 22 year old kid telling me what to do? You're crusty. Yeah, well, get to work. You're not doing your job. I'm going to take your job. There you go. And that, that was actually an interesting thing in the construction industry is rampant with older guys don't want to teach younger guys because they think that they're going to take their jobs. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't teach the younger generation, who's going to take care of you when you're sitting in the old folks' home? <laughs> no, I think it's better if you're not going to teach them and don't fucking complain that they're being stupid. Well, that's another thing. Like, you, you know, I went and saw Jordan Peterson a couple months ago with my mentor. We sat, like, third row. And you can't complain about something. Oh, the one in Maple Ridge? No, no, in um, the Orpheum, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was good. Um, he said, you know, they started asking about politics, and he said, well, who here has actually involved in politics? No one raised their hand. Well, who here is complaining about it and not involved? Everyone. He's like, well, see, that's the problem. If you complain about something and you don't do anything about it, you abdicate your responsibility, you have no, you have no grounds to be complaining. It is mm-hmm. mute. It is just such a waste of energy. So, you know... And my group chat yesterday with my buddies, when it starts talking about negativity and complaining, I'm like, so what are you doing about it? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, how are you going to complain here and then not do anything about it? Isn't that like completely like fucked? How are you going to sit here and complain about it? Go do something about it. You know, you're, you're laid off. You don't have any work. Go figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, need to be, you need to be spoon-fed what to do. This, exactly. isn't, this isn't Elmo Street. No. No, I mean, unless you want it to be. Okay. <laughs> you look a little low. Maybe, maybe not. A little. Sure, yeah. You're breaking rules, buddy. That's okay. I'm a rule breaker. So, speaking of rule breaking, in business and what you do, I do believe you have to be a bit of a rule breaker. You have to be someone who uh, can be able to adapt fairly quickly. You have to be able to be able to monetize on certain opportunities and just really be a little bit of cutthroat on it. Yeah, it was, it's And marketing, no offense, there's thousands of you guys. There's, it's, quite a big, it's quite a bit market out there for... The last networking event I went to is like, they're fucking giving out the, the fucking certificates. I'm like, so all of you guys are professional social media guys? Thousand I mean, followers, but all of you are fucking professionals? It's kind of bullshit. I mean, I just show people results. You know, I have a lot of clients that are not happy with how things look or how things are, mm-hmm. and they're still producing results. And so when I talk to people, you know, one of the biggest challenges for me is when I'm managing clients, it's like, are you, do you want it to look good or do you want to produce results? Because mm-hmm. sometimes what doesn't look good actually produces results. So when we start doing email marketing, the first thing that we do is we start doing some analyzing of the database and we might send some campaigns out and it's just plain text yeah, just to see, can we get a response? What can we do? And clients complain about that. And I'm like, okay, well, you know that if we put graphics and all of that, it might go to spam and X, Y, Z. And do you want to make money or do you want to like make the email good even though it's not going to you? So in marketing, it's always about how is the, how is the person getting the messaging 
or on the other end of that message, what is, how's it going to land over there with them? Mm -hmm. And so thinking about that psychology, like the message to you or the message to somebody else would be completely different, mm -hmm. right? Depending on what's important to you. Okay. Speaking on the same topic as marketing, I take marketing as more of a subject of communications. Oh, it is just communication. You know, it's marketing um, and innovation. It's not just uh, sales, 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 push, 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 push. In communications, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? What, what is something you would like to teach? What is something you'd like to learn? What is some of the core values in communication? Because I, I genuinely believe one of the main traits in any entrepreneur, if there was a trait which they won't go to school for, but uh, if you're naturally gifted, it's very easy to do this, is if you learn how to communicate and articulate what you're doing. Yeah, that's a great question. So I was actually part of a two-year-long communication program, oh, okay. team management leadership program. That's where I met John. Oh, John okay. was my coach there. So I'd be I'd be dialing people up, enrolling them in these personal development programs, selling air. And like literally, I mean, yeah, they come to for like a three-day weekend, and you you promise them some outcome, and they either produce or they don't. Mm -hmm. And so. In communication, it's about creating value and ensuring someone's heard. So there's this concept called recreation. So you say something and then, like, say something. Just make a line. I like to drink tequila. I really get you're committed to having a good time. Good. Did that communicate? Absolutely. Funny. I learned from a master hypnotherapist, very young in my entrepreneur days, like 2015, 16, and he was teaching me to learn keywords and let the let the person say everything. For example, the key, you, the, everybody has about two, three keywords, which is, um, in my case, he's like, hey, Julia, I know you want to buy a car. Why don't you tell me what you're looking for, a car? Like, what kind of the, what, 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 uh, what kind of look are you going for? And he was able to take out the keywords for me, which was like, you know, I just want something, I want something elegant, I want something bold, and I want something unique, I don't want to be like everybody else. And so long story short, I gave him like this whole, long-winded version about what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then he just comes back. He's like, you know what? I do agree with you. But you know what? I think an Aston Martin is unique enough and bold enough, but provides a little bit more of the uh, excellence you're looking And But he's regurgitating my own words to me. And naturally, I'm like, oh, yeah, so, you're so, right. So, so at, a, at, a, at, a, at the course level, communication to communicate is a function of love. Because yeah. if you actually get what someone's saying, you're 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 yeah. in their spirit, right? Like in their eyes, and you're you're with them. So if you so to love someone is to actually hear them. Okay. Yeah. So communication is not a function of speaking; it's a function of listening. Yes. Like uh, for example, like uh, if I were to give an advice to any any uh, twenty year old out there, they always say like in in, in your twenties. Oh, that's your time to go do whatever you want. You can fuck up. You can Absolutely. Uh, I would say if anybody's serious about being wealthy, because everybody's dream is to be a fucking millionaire, and they're going to do it by creating some LLC and then getting a credit card from Amex, and they're going to get a 250000 random you know, line of credit, <laughs> which I don't know how the fuck is going to happen. But sure, they get it, and then they get to invest in some fucking bullshit property. But sure. But everybody has that bullshit dream, the Instagram dream, right? Sure. In my opinion, if, if you're going to be, in, uh, if, you're, if you're 20 years old, early 20s, mid 20s, the first thing you should fucking do is two things, is you have to learn how to communicate. Take a communications course, learn, how, learn about body language, learn how to look someone dead in the eyes, mm -hmm. uh, learn how to keep the eye contact. Again, communications and articulation is super important. And the second thing I'd actually promote would be to get physically in shape. Yeah. Key, yeah. Uh, like work on your physicality because in your 20s you actually have that ability, the stamina and the uh, 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 be able to recuperate or, or regain your strength a lot faster than competitors in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s obviously. So if you're going to do two things, learn how, to, learn how to speak and work on your physicality. Absolutely. So by the time you're 30, you have all this experience and now you can move on to phase two. A lot of kids or a lot of young generation in their 20s think they could just fuck it off because they're going to fuck it off. Like if you're going to be serious about doing any type of business or any type of career in general, uh, there is uh, being in shape, we'll call it pretty privilege in a male's perspective. Uh, it goes a long way. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, that, that brings up a really good point. Um, 
you know, Mark Cuban says the first skill you need is to sell, and to sell is to be able to communicate. If mm -hmm. you're an effective closer, I don't. Selling and closing are two different yeah, things. Yeah, two different things. Yeah. So to sell is to communicate, mm -hmm. and to close is to actually recreate what someone said and close them based on what they told you why it's important to them. Mm -hmm. You can't manipulate someone into a close. You can only do it based on what they told you. So mm -hmm. in the selling, the function of selling is you're gathering information why it's important, the pain, the gap that they have, what, what, what's going to get them there. If they had it, what would that create? And then mm -hmm. to be able to close. Yeah. My brother, um, you know, my brother, my mom convinced him and did everything in her power to help him get a scholarship and go to university. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know if that's the right thing for him. Six months later, he came home. And I look, he was 20, 1920. And I said, wow, he's eight, younger's young, eight years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So I said, gosh, if I could redo it, I would just go and get into trades and get in shape. Three years later, he's third year apprentice. He's doing it. And he's got the rest of his life ahead of him. Yeah. After he's in his Red Seal, I said, go sell. Go sell HVAC. Go sell something. Learn. You know, it's like that uh, Robert Kiyosaki quadrant of, you know, you're an employee, then you're self-employed, then you're a business owner. Now you're an investor. So how do you work your way up the snakes and ladders of, yeah. of entrepreneurship to become somebody that, you know, learns a system, builds a system, owns a system, and the function of everything working into it, and then to work that and then to just have passive income and manage that. And so what you're saying is really brilliant because there is a roadmap. Thank you. <laughs> there is a roadmap, and I think, you know, uh, it's like college, 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 college. Shit, man. Really, people on my team went to college. But fuck college. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm not saying fuck college. Uh, college does have its uses. But what I'm saying that is, is the college portion of it is you got to pick your courses right. Oh, my God, I th yeah. I think everybody oh God, who, yeah. who uh, for the most part, I'm going to go with just my personal percentage, not factual or not accredited by any way. 90% of people who go to college for a certain degree never do that fucking degree, ever. Why? Because they don't even know what the fuck they're doing. They don't even know what they want. No. Have you ever met a 22-year-old kid? Ask, what do you want? I don't know. Oh, I could say three things of what they want right now. <laughs> but it's not going to do anything with college. Young, dumb, full of cum, right? You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it's like my brother. He's 22. He's like, I don't even want to date girls. They don't even know what they want. I'm like, wow, you're smart. Good. You're just focused on your... He's like, I'm just focusing on myself. I said, wow. Yeah. You know, I think you should be focusing on, 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 on getting your physical condition correct. I think you should be working on articulating yourself. And if I could add maybe a sub-subject which isn't as important, but it could be something that, uh, again, is still getting in the training of a habit, which would be just reading. Reading oh, and yeah. education. Are you, you're a big reader? I No. No? But I'm a big listener. Okay, so I you're do, like I do audiobooks books, because right? I do know myself and I do know I... Auditory. To, to, to have the book in front of me is going to be super challenging. But to have it in the car, on the train... You like uh, to move. Yeah, I, okay. I, I have to be moving, but I can still pick up. You're because, a kinetic learner. Yeah, so cool. I have to be able... I can, I can still be on my phone reading my emails or text messages and still being able to listen. Isn't and, that interesting? Yeah. You know, you ever meet people, you talk to them, they're doing something else, nothing comes through. Yeah. I have the experience uh, that you can just do multiple things. But you have else. to be very careful with that, too. You sure. have to be able to reach and know your audience because to some people, to some clients, that's incredibly rude. Uh, I'll give an example. A lot of my Asian clientele, uh, that's not as rude to my Caucasian clientele. And the Caucasian, that's very rude. You don't do that. Oh. On my Asian clientele, because they're so, you know, it's, it's a lot of on the phone, a lot of mobile devices. You can do that, and they won't consider that as rude. Mm. So I, you also be, have to be able, not all of them, I'm just saying the majority. Uh, I've been able to at least be able to read my audience and know who my client is. And even when I feel like I, you can almost feel the energy, like, is this rude? This is not rude. And yeah. I said, you know what? You just got to excuse me for one second. But again, being able to articulate and being able to pick up on those subtleties is a skill in itself. I completely hear you. It's, it's really important to be able to uh, treat the other person how they want to be treated and, yeah. and know that. I'm speaking more to like the ability to take in information while doing other things. Mm -hmm. So you're doing something else and you can take in information. It's an Absolutely. extraordinary ability. Like what I'm sharing is there's a lot of people that I work with and people I know that can, don't have the ability. So like you, you are the kind of guy that could walk into a burning building, have earphones on and get it all done, walk out and be like, oh yeah, that's it. 
I'll be the guy going into the burning building with a fucking axe and a fire hose with headphones on, listening to the roof. The roof, <laughs> the roof is on fire. And I'll be over there trying to fucking turn this shit down. But no. Um, but again, it's more because, again, it's more on state of mind. Yeah, yeah, And, of and I'm going to go on the state of mind because um, it's the way how you perceive yourself. And the way I perceive myself is borderline narcissistic and have no shame in admitting that. And I'll say that happily because I genuinely believe I am in my field, in my line of business, whether I'm doing this podcast or whether I'm doing my finance stuff or building this other business, I consider myself in life an Olympic fucking athlete. Oh, and yeah, I have sad. to fucking train. And every trainer or every every athlete, and I'm more than happy to to say this because there's a little bit of, I think it goes beyond what I even think of narcissism. A lot of young entrepreneurs think they can do it themselves, and they can't. If an Olympic athlete needs a trainer, if your favorite basketball player, football player, whatever athlete in whatever sport genre you need, needs a fucking coach, what makes you think you don't? It's even more narcissistic and delusional to think that your own internal coach, who's never done this before, oh, man. can teach you. So you good. need that guidance. You need the mentor, coach, however you want to label him, whatever title you want to give him. It's irrelevant. The point is you need some, someone with more experience to guide you. Uh, 100%. You know, if, if you're going to try and do something yourself, it might take you three years to figure yeah, it out. absolutely. But if you have a mentor, it might take you a month. And my mentor has this concept of DIY. And he says, to do it yourself means that you have a fool for a teacher. Mm-hmm. So... On that same note, it's, uh, I think, you can't quote me on this. I, I don't remember exactly how the quote goes, but it's, uh, um, a smart man uh, fails and learns his lesson and doesn't repeat that failure. Yep. A wise man watches the smart man and doesn't commit the failure at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been the smart man my whole life. I'm the one that I'll put my ass out there and I'll fail forward. And I know that the quicker I fail and the faster I fail, the faster I learn and get to the next place. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, I've been in companies where you're on the call with leadership and they ask questions and no one wants to talk. And I'm the dumbass that just asks the stupid questions. Cause like, I don't care. I need the information. I want to know. But there's a way to ask a stupid question. But it's like, I, I almost, I, even when I have a stupid question, it's almost like putting it out there so they don't ask you a stupid question. Like, for, for example, I'll say, you know what? Give me an example, sure. Here's a stupid question for you. Okay. Now, don't judge me. This is pure ignorance. What's a stupid question? But you can't... It's you, interpretive, you, you, right? You, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is you got to put it out there and saying, hey, look, uh, I don't go to the gym. And you're going to have to excuse my ignorance because this isn't my field of expertise. But let me ask you a question. And it kind of breaks down the barrier of... Hey, this person. Well, you set the stage. Yeah, a little you, bit. Right? You have to, and that's context, right? Like, so I want to go back to state of mind. How, how do you, Julio? How do you cultivate your state of mind? In what regard? Anything for life, family, business. You know, you talked about things coming at you all angles. Like you talked about having your ten minutes and 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 just coming together. Like hmm. for the listeners, like. Maybe there's young men listening to us. Yeah. Let's talk to them for a minute. Okay. How would you, uh, how would you give them or share with them how you cultivated this state of mind in your earlier years? Through an incredible amount of failure, mm. and it was being able to take a a chance on a different industry, and it's, it's kind of like talking to to women. Okay. Kind of like talking to women. A guy who never speaks to a woman when she approaches a woman, uh, I always like to refer to women as Terminator 2. Okay. When Arnold Schwarzenegger walks into the bar and he's kind of looking for the, 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 the body physique that will match his, it's like boop, 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 boop. That is what women do to men. They can read the body language. Women are amazing, incredibly intuitive in this They're capacity. So smart, yeah. They can go in. Uh, you can be, I can be walking to a woman at a bar, club, lounge, whatever, any, any type of scenario, and a woman will fucking just look you up and down and she'll know whether you're confident, insecure, whether waste of time, uh, not attractive, whatever. Whatever, that, whatever you're ex uh, uh, putting out, they're going to read it, and they're going to know within seconds. Seconds. Okay. So. So good. Tying that in. Um, it's, it's being able to 
when, when you do these things, you got to learn how to fail because the more you fail at it, it's the more comfortable you are at accepting that failure and then you become more comfortable in that failure. So now when I'm approaching a woman, wherever I'm at, it's, I don't care. So technically, I'm walking with more confidence. Mm. And naturally, they're going to see that confidence because it's one of those things. You've got to surround yourself in those environments of uncomfortability. That's one. Number two, you have to understand that the world is a really fucked up and cruel world. If this was a battleground, feelings and emotions don't matter. It's fight or flight. And you have to understand that uh, there are other competitive beasts out there that want the same thing as you. Someone's always coming for your lunch, right? Absolutely. You know the story of the bear and two men? You're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, story of two, a bear and two men. I, I have this whole talk about communism and capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. And capitalism, right? Free markets. So, two guys uh, are camping. Sure. In the bushes, wrestling. All of a sudden, a grizzly bear comes. It's coming towards them. The two guys go, ah! Not the cocaine bear, right? <laughs> no, not the cocaine bear. So they, they, they sit down. One guy sits down, he's tying his shoes. The other guy goes, what are you doing? He's like, I just got to outrun you, bro. There you go. And that's like in business. Every yeah. single day, someone is waking up trying to do it better than you, getting better margins. And so, you know, like there's this company, M3, 3M. I yeah, 3M. 3M. So they, they, the 75% of their products and their profits are made from innovative profit products. And the first three to five years is when they make the most profits because then other competition comes in. Absolutely. So yeah. when you create a new product or a service or something that's novel or unique, you have a timeline before it gets copied and there's other competition yeah. entering the marketplace. And so in business, we always have to be innovating, right? Like for me, I have to come up with innovative solutions and products for my customers. I'm not going to do the same thing that every other Google advertiser is doing or every YouTube advertiser yeah. or every Facebook advertiser. You know, we come in with omni-channel strategies, different strategies, uh, different kind of campaigns. You know, some of the things we do is just build up demand and then release it. And you have to set yourself apart with a unique selling proposition or unique value in the marketplace. Otherwise, you're just the same as everyone else. Yeah. And if you're the same as everyone else, you're just a, a salmon in the river. Yeah. Swimming For me, team. I call it like a circle, right? My job is to imagine someone's always behind me. Oh, that's good. And if you're in a circle, I just have to be where my peak performance is. I just want to see them in my rear view mirror just slightly. And keeps you going. And as long as I'm kind of here and they're there, I'm on a good pace because that means I'm ahead of the curve. Yeah. If I am performing and I can see them right up on me, there's a problem. Absolutely. Whether it's with me, my team, or my product, or my company, whatever you want it to be, right? Because you are right. There's a thousand marketers. There's a thousand guys in finance. There's a thousand beauticians. There's a thousand this. There's a thousand that. What are you doing that sets yourself apart from everybody else? I am the unique selling proposition. Yeah. Right? The way I deliver service, communicate, listen. Mm -hmm. I remember I pick up a phone call with clients, 5.35 in the morning in Ottawa and on the other side. Like, I'll do that. I will make it happen. You ever heard the story of the cheese and the... And the, and the mouse, the mouse, or the, the cat and the cheese? The cat and the cheese? No. Yeah. Okay, so they did a study with rats. And I need to listen to more stories. Uh, yeah, I love <laughs> stories. It's marketing, it's storytelling, right? It's, it's how people get it. So um, there's a rat in a tube, and they put the cheese in front of them, mm -hmm. and they have some degree of output. It's going for it, mm -hmm. right? Now they put a cat behind the rat, the mouse, and it went like 100 times faster. So in life, when you're doing business with people, it's like, what motivates them? Do they have cheese or do they have a cat or do they have both? Mm -hmm. So for me, like my goals is the cheese, but the cat is like my family and mm. all that. And it makes me go harder and faster. And there's also a story around uh, hope and they put a rat in water and they saw how long it would swim. And it swam for about 15 minutes and they took it out of the water and they, called, they wiped it off, gave it some food, gave it some water, some hope, and put it back in. How long do you think it survived swimming? About five minutes? Five hours. Five hours? Something crazy like that. Don't quote me. But it was an insane, like, 500, 700% increase. So when you give a bit of hope, that will drive mm. uh, the animal or the human or the whatever to go that much harder. We're running out of time. But uh, on that subject... 
I want to argue that a little bit. Okay. Just because hope, I almost find it as a form of delusion. We could call it something else. Sure. Like only just because for me, yes, there's uh, as entrepreneurs, we have to have a certain amount of optimism, but we have to have a certain amount of realism as well. Just because you could be too optimistic and you could hold on to something that doesn't need to be held on to. <laughs> well said. We could call it faith. Faith is a good one. We could call it something else. It doesn't have to be hope necessarily. Yeah. I, you know, and I think this is like the semantics of the English language, right? It's like this and that. And at the end of the day, when you, when you have an extraordinary experience and you observe something of that nature, it doesn't really matter what it is. Okay. The results are there. Okay. And we observe and go, okay, well, how did that happen? And how do we put that into our life and into our days and into our business? Is that something that could be a unique competitive advantage for us? And just somewhere to look. And, and it may or may not be true. Yeah. You know, I, I'll say this. At the end of the day, um, I think uh, it's a very old saying, and it's probably a little cheesy, but I think real recognizes real. And I think that's one of the reasons why when I met you, I just knew that, hey, Call's a real one. Thanks, brother. Just because it was one of those things. It's, it's, uh, you have to surround yourself with those certain entrepreneurs. Male or female, it doesn't matter. But as long as they match the same drive, better yet said, as long as they can match the same drum you're beating and they're on that same war path, uh, you know, let's go to fucking war. Let's fucking take it on. Ha-oo, ha-oo, the only ha-oo, thing the Greeks know how to do. do is go to war. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and uh, that being said, you know, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the conversation. And uh, I know we're going to come back here and have a little bit more Don Julio. But uh, it was a pleasure. And um, I look yeah, forward to it. Happen. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to have a gentleman named Andre. Uh, who is a uh, 1% top uh, club owner here in Vancouver. So uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Right on through. Cool. Wonderful. Thank you. It was good. It's a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hi, my name is This is the 1% podcast. That was a good one. Stay tuned for the next episode, guys.